Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Super Sleuth Saturday Story Club. This week it's King Arthur and the Sword of Excalibur. One day, a young man stood leaning on his broom, gazing into the distance. His name was Arthur, and in 24 hours his life would change completely. But he didn't know that. He was an orphan, and had lived with the knight Sir Ector for as long as he could remember. Arthur was treated as a servant in the household, and Sir Ector's son, Sir Kay, took great delight in ordering him about and generally making his life a misery. Arthur, get your lazy backside here now! The shout rudely interrupted Arthur's daydream, and he sighed. Coming, Sir Kay, and he hurried away. Deep in the enchanted silver forest of Brocoliand, a few miles away, a wizened old wizard was stirring in his sleep. A vision had come to him in the middle of the night. It was time. The ancient elder's long white beard twinkled in the dawn light, and a smile lit up his lined face as he leapt from his bed, eyes blazing with excitement. Sorcerer, magician or wizard, if you will, Merlin is my name. Magic makes me stronger still, for I can predict the future, and a hero's on his way, a king to rule all Britain for forever and a day. In fact, Merlin alone knew that our floor-scrubbing servant boy Arthur was secretly the son of the dead King Uther, the old king. Arthur was the true heir to the throne, but as he had been taken from his parents at birth, he had no idea of his real identity or his destiny. Merlin was a wily old fox, and he had known that Arthur had to become king through merit, He had to earn his right to rule, not just take it by growing up in the royal household as a prince. And the time had come for Arthur to take his place as the King of Britain. The wizard rubbed his gnarled old hands together eagerly. But how to do it, he murmured thoughtfully. There must be a way which proves beyond all doubt that he is the true heir. Otherwise there'll be trouble. The other nobles won't accept a boy as king unless he can do something to show he is extraordinary. The wizard wandered through the enchanted forest, listening to the wind sighing in the silvery branches and the birds singing brightly. Suddenly, he stopped under a silver birch and gave a triumphant cry. Excalibur! A pigeon flapped away, cooing disapprovingly at the noise which had disturbed its snooze, but Merlin didn't notice. His eyes were alight and there was an energy which made him seem suddenly much younger than his hundreds of years. Yes, he continued excitedly, Excalibur, you are just what we need. And with that, he hurried back to his cottage to make the necessary preparations. Meanwhile, completely unaware of his kingly destiny, poor Arthur continued to live his dull life of monotony in Sir Ector's house. He swept, he scrubbed, and tried to ignore the daily bullying and bragging of Sir Kay. Hey Arthur, you snivelling bag of pig's guts, when I say empty the latrines now, I mean now! And Arthur trudged, sighing heavily towards the toilet bucket, 
trying to imagine he was smelling roses as opposed to, well, toilets. But that very afternoon, something happened that would change everything. A herald had come to each house in the area and announced that there would be a contest the very next morning, open to every man in the kingdom. All they had to do was pull a sword out from an ancient stone. And the prize was the throne of Britain. Next morning, everyone gathered excitedly in the town square to watch the mysterious contest. Fiddlers were fiddling, jesters were jesting, and pie men were doing the rounds, offering snacks to the onlookers. A festival mood had sprung up, and everyone was full of anticipation to see who would emerge victorious. Men of all ages were warming up vigorously, some lunging, others stretching out their bulging arm muscles to prepare themselves for the task ahead. Merlin had set up a chair for himself so he could watch the proceedings. He clapped his hands to get the crowd's attention, and the competing nobles gathered around the huge grey stone, their eyes fixed on the hilt of the sword which stuck out of it. A silence fell as the sword seemed to shimmer and radiate a golden light as it whispered these words. Excalibur they call me, a sword to beat the rest. No witless fool can claim me, they must be the best. To prove that they are worthy, they must take me from this stone. If they are the chosen one, they will no longer fight alone. The onlookers gasped in wonder and awe as the light slowly faded and the voice died away. Well, what are we waiting for? shouted a voice, and a man stepped forward confidently. Let's give it a try. Without a moment's hesitation, he had stepped forward, and, muscles straining, had grasped the sword's hilt and tried to pull it from the stone. It did not budge. He tried again, this time using two hands, but he could not move the sword even the tiniest bit. The man frowned and adjusted his position, locking his muscular legs around the stone and heaving at the sword with all his might until he was bright purple in the face. But the sword did not move. The man stamped away angrily, muttering about impossible tasks and stupid old men with their stupid ideas, while glowering darkly at Merlin, who merely smiled benignly at the crowd and said, Next! The next man tried, and the next, and the next, but no one could make the sword move. Mutterings were breaking out among the crowd as the group of noblemen left to try dwindled. Then it was Sir Kay's turn, and Arthur, watching from the crowd, hoped with every fibre of his being that his bullying stepbrother would not be successful. He could not imagine a worse king. It was with great relief that he saw Sir Kay fail to pull the sword out and hop angrily away, having stubbed his toe after kicking the stone in his fury. The final two men tried and failed, and there appeared to be no one left to attempt the feat. However, Merlin addressed the crowd and said, Every man has not had his turn, and his sharp eyes swept the group of onlookers. Come forward, Arthur. Arthur blushed to the roots of his hair. Him? He'd never thought that he should attempt to become king. He'd never heard of anything so absurd. However, people around him were pushing him forward and calling out words of encouragement, and he suddenly found himself right at the front, approaching the great stone. Ha! I'm looking forward to seeing this, loser! came the sneering voice of Sir Kay. But Arthur didn't even hear him. 
something was happening as he drew near the sword. A tingling warmth was spreading through him. He seemed to be connected to the sword. It was drawing him to it. Excalibur, the boy whispered. And he felt the sword respond to him, almost as if it was beckoning his hand towards its hilt. Without even knowing he had done so, Arthur smoothly drew the sword from the stone. The movement came so easily to him, it required very little effort at all. The shining steel glinted in the light as the proud weapon flashed through the air. The crowd gasped and drew back in surprise and fear. All hail King Arthur, rightful King of Britain! Merlin had stood and bowed to the boy, still clutching the sword. The crowd hesitated. Then, as one, they all bowed and cried, Hail King Arthur! Long live the king! And Arthur stood there, stunned, but somehow knowing in his heart that this was his destiny. He was King of Britain. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Saturday for Fun Fables Part 2. See you next time.